Hey everybody, welcome to Sequelitis. I'm Matt. And I'm Manny. And we are back, and we are furious, if you know what I mean. Or yeah. <laughs> or are we fast, or are we furious about this movie? <laughs> are we too fast? Are we too furious? Um, yeah, so we saw The Fast and the Furious, the newest one. It was called The Fate of the Furious. F8 Fate. Uh, they must be so proud yes, of themselves fate. in the title department. And they should be. It's a it's an interesting and good title. And yeah. kind of Star Warsian, you know, Fate of the Empire, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of it that way at all. <laughs> you might be the only person in America to try and make that connection. Uh, well, I'm I'm mostly joking, but you know what I mean? Like they're getting very epic with these movies. Like they started off in a garage racing each other. And I think Paul Walker pretended to be a bad guy, but he was really a cop. And Vin Diesel was, like, the bad guy, I guess. Uh, and that's all I think I can remember about the original Fast and the Furious movie. So we've somehow gone from that to this. Yeah, we should state that the whole reason why we're doing this is because I thought it would be funny for us to go and watch uh, the latest installment of the movie having never watched any of the other installments. I, I didn't realize at the time you had actually seen the first one, Yeah, which is actually kind of perfect because <laughs> you know exactly what happens in the first one. I, I have an idea of like what happens in each movie, but uh, I, was, I was wondering if we go into this movie and like if there was some way to actually like understand, like, all right, like, is there enough like context to know what happens in the previous movies? And I didn't figure there would be a lot of context, so I thought it would be fun to go back and try and figure out, okay, what the hell happened in all the other movies? <laughs> well, the first... See if we can do a little detective work and put together the pieces based on the clues that we're given. For me, the clue that the biggest clue we're given would be a pretty big spoiler, and that's why I want to kind of do a spoiler check with you. Because I've heard other shows where they'll talk about a certain plot point, but they won't be direct. They won't directly spoil what it is. So let me see if I can do this with you. There's one part in the movie where the main bad guy traps Vin Diesel in a situation where there's another element at play that is affecting Vin Diesel in a way that we've never seen before. You you get what I'm putting down. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. And honestly, like, I'm not worried about spoilers because I figure, uh, number one, people listening to this either have watched the movie or they don't give a damn to watch the movie. And, and they're maybe hoping to hear like us, like rip on the movie or something. Right. Um, and two, the plot is, is nonsense in this fucking thing. <laughs> um, you know, like they do have like some like kind of like twist things, but one of the messages I sent to you was like, this movie made me feel like I was clairvoyant because <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like, this is about to happen. And then this is about to happen. Like when he's on the plane, I was trying to figure out, I was like, what is she like? Why is he there? And why is he telling his friends like, hey, look, I have to do this against my like, what has she got on him that he is just going along? Like he's been brainwashed. Like he's been like reprogrammed. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, 
she has uh, a woman there who has his kid because earlier they're talking about, you know, <laughs> what would you be like if you're a father? And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, hold on. Pause right there. Now, I, I, have a, right. I have a theory that we cannot spoil that little fact, but we can still talk about it. Let's just attempt to talk about that element of the plot without saying it. And I'll, I'll cut that little piece out. We'll bleep you out so people didn't hear you spoil it. But we both so no, I don't. I don't think we need to. <laughs> I, I think most people have already gone and seen this movie by now. So I don't. I, I, we don't need to worry about spoilers. <laughs> right on, right on. That's. Uh, I'll go with that. Okay. And I don't think we should cut out anything <laughs> at all. Well, no, I do want to talk about that. I just want to uh, just want to check with you about the spoiler stuff. All right, so. This chick has his baby, but it seems like the woman, I have to be a clairvoyant to even figure out who she is, like, because his girlfriend is Michelle Rodriguez, and I remember there was one movie where she died, so maybe this is the new girlfriend from the movie where Mich- uh, Michelle Rodriguez died, and then m- <laughs> maybe that girl <laughs> We're doing died. a little bit of, like... <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the beauty of this is we're, we're sitting here going like, all right, who is this person? What do they have to do with this? Where did they come from? Like, you know, the movie and I don't think it's really the fault of like the the writer producers, you know, the people who made this movie for them to expect that most of the people watching it have already watched like at least five through seven. And so they have an idea of like, OK, like this happened and this happened and this happened. But, like, this movie has, like, this whole, like, complex, like, timeline and characters to where, um, from what I understand, the way that the movies are laid out is it's, like, one, two, and three, and then four and five take place before three, and then, like, half of three happens, and then that's where the sixth movie starts, and then the seventh and eighth movie are are the the two movies that take place after the third movie. <laughs> it's like this real like Legend of Zelda like type shit to where it's just like, all right, how does all of this like fall together? Right. And it's just fucking amazing to me because <laughs> when I think about like when the first one came out, um, you know, when they made a sequel, I was like, yeah, of course they're gonna make a sequel. It's a good, it's a dumb fucking movie, and people enough people saw it, they're gonna make a sequel. And then they made the third one, and then it just kind of died after that. Um, and now we're sitting here, and it's 2017, and fucking, you know, Donald Trump is president, and we have eight fucking Fast and Furious movies. It's like... It's a little like idiocracy. Yeah, somewhere the timeline got fucked up, and I'm living in the wrong dimension. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you, you know, you're, we're definitely all in the same dimension together, so we're all trying to figure it out, but... For me, the... You know, this is like on Twilight Zone where that one woman, like, wakes up from surgery and, like, everyone's got a pig face or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm living in a time where, like, Donald Trump's the president and everybody watches the fucking Fast and Furious movies. Well, okay, so in the parlance of the FBI, The Rock is Vin Diesel's handler. He's, like, his FBI or CIA handler. And so The Rock kind of, like, he represents the government... And he runs a, a special government called FAST, FAST, the futuristic uh, automation, uh, automated, I don't know, the FAST, okay? This is my theory. This is, this is, all, this is all true? No, this is, You're not this just is making this up. I'm making it up. This is my theory. I'm trying to figure out how we, <laughs> how we got here. <laughs> 
So the Rock is like their handler, and there was some big case where they needed to stop these dangerous car criminals, and so they contacted the best car racer they knew. Don, Dom, which is like the worst name for a character. Dom Toretto. (laughs) (laughs) They really wanted to get that Jersey Shore, like, fist-pumping crowd. They're like, like, we got to get somebody that can relate to. Dom Toretto. And he only drives American muscle cars. And he only wears sleeveless shirts. Now, the Jason Statham character... For the, for the life of me, I cannot figure out how he could possibly fit into this him or his brother that they talk so much about. I couldn't... I, I, actually, I actually think I know the answer to that, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you go ahead. Tell me the answer, please. Well, in the sixth movie, um, uh, his brother was, uh, was the bad guy. And something happened to where I thought, I thought he died at the end of that movie. And then that's when... Um, what is the actor's name again? I'm blanking. Oh, um, Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. Yeah, so then Jason Statham shows up at the end of the sixth movie, and he's like, Oi, I'm going to come for you guys for killing me brother. You know? <laughs> and then the seventh movie is all about them like fighting him. And like the, the whole big piece of that movie, I guess, was uh, he and The Rock got into a fist fight, um, and somehow The Rock got bested by Jason Statham. Um, and then in, in this movie, it was, it was pretty, like, one of the most entertaining parts was just, like, how badly, like, The Rock wanted to, like, fuck up Jason Statham. Yeah. And, like, for most people, you'd expect, like, if The Rock is looking at you and he's like, he's like I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you. I'm going to fucking put you in the hospital and you won't ever walk again after that. Like, that would scare the shit out of most people. And instead, Jason Statham is like, he's like, I'm going to kick you in the nuts, big boy. I'm going to knock you down. And you're like, he's like not afraid of him at all. Ugh. And then it, it, was, it was crazy because they have the prison break scene. Right. And fucking Jason Statham, like, you know, I've seen like Jason Statham in some movies where he like fucks some people up. Uh, my favorite movie with Jason Statham, and not that I've seen a ton, but but it's uh, definitely Snatch. Like, I liked him in that because he's a regular guy that if he had to, he could fuck somebody up. But like, he's smart enough to let other people do the fighting. Yeah, and Snatch is fantastic. And in this movie, he's like, like he's got, like he's like fucking Spider Man. Like he's just like flipping around everywhere. Like at one point, he's flying. He's like literally fucking flying into a plane. Yeah. <laughs> That's flying through the sky. It's fucking it is off the fucking chain. This movie is fucking bananas. But when it fr- and they're all bananas, but in the first like so, yeah, couple sequences, movie, it got off to such a good start though when they were in Cuba and they were uh, they were racing and I thought it the first maybe two or three You thought scenes, that was a good start? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then when he won the race in reverse with his car on fire, I was like, how can you not love this? <laughs> <laughs> I just loved like in that movie, like it got very meta and the guy he's racing just like looks at something that is literally impossible and he goes, that's impossible. And it's like, 
I was like, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, bro. <laughs> well, not to mention that he was – the guy was trying to steal his car and Vin Diesel was like, hey, I'll race you for it. And in the meanwhile, he totals the guy's car. So you, not only did you not save it, <laughs> you destroyed it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we built this with – He didn't just destroy he's like, we, it. We built this with lawnmower like, parts. Like, it's very special to our culture. And then the, the dude just runs it off a fucking cliff and blows it up. <laughs> yeah, he blows up the car – and drives it into the fucking ocean. <laughs> Nearly kills like 30 people. Like, all right. Here's the way I would have absolutely loved this movie. Like, the way that this would have ended up being one of my favorite movies of all time. Is every time they, like, drive through, like, city streets. And there's, like, they're almost running over pedestrians. If instead of, like, showing that the pedestrians just kind of, like, real quickly jump out of the way. If instead, every single time, they fucking killed people, just <laughs> ran people the fuck over. Yeah, you know, I like was... If that happened every single time they had a car chase, I would have loved this movie. I would have been like, oh my god, this is the most amazing fucking thing. I, because you, at that point, like, I think it's I know what you're trying to game. say. <laughs> but I, cause yeah, I was yeah. really turned off by like the gun violence, because there was so much like car violence... And it was great, and it was the right kind of fun. And then when there's one scene where Jason Statham like pulls a gun out and just brutally murders five guys like on the ski sl- slope, and it's like it, just to see him brutally murder these five guys when you've been watching like racing stuff the whole movie, it's like it's just a different tone to it. Like I did not like the gunplay. I did not like the cold blooded murder, pointless murder of henchmen in this movie. Oh yeah, like he's just straight up like murdering everybody, <laughs> and he's doing it while he's carrying a fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> a baby that he's supposed to be there to rescue. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm going to put these headphones on you and then I'm going to kill all these guys. You're going to be all right. <laughs> and like for a lot of people, that's probably like their favorite like sequence in the movie is when he's like shooting guys and then talking to the baby and then shooting guys. And it's like, honestly, like I didn't feel bad about him killing all those henchmen because those henchmen were fucking terrible at their jobs. Like you got a guy that flew into your plane. And then not only that, like he went and he grabbed a baby and like had time to like put headphones on the baby and like just check in with the baby. Like you're on a fucking plane. Like there's nowhere for him to go. Uh, you know, and and they can't manage to like stop them, <laughs> stop them, immobilize them. Like, fuck! At that point, kill the baby. And well, and talk about outlandish. Like, what I don't understand in these types of movies is when they want nuclear codes in the first place, and then when they actually like try to launch the bombs. Like, who who? Like, I must have missed it. But like, who were they trying to strike exactly? And like, how did they think that was all going to play out? And I, I didn't catch that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And um, if somebody does know. Uh, please write to us, sequelitispodcast at gmail.com uh, or, or at sequelitis on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you can even find our Instagram or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sequelitis. Let us know who were they going to bomb because I have no fucking idea. Yeah, and like, they I must have said it. sitting there and I was like, I'm like, I know she's planning to bomb somebody, but who's she going to bomb? Like, I don't understand it. Like, I didn't understand her fucking plan at all. Me neither. And like you know, and her character was that of like a person who lived in this ultra contrived universe where any kind of emotion that she would have shown would have made no sense. So the only play is for her to be like a totally thankless, like just thank, just a total thankless role. Like there's no nothing for her in this part at all. 
Oh, I was so disappointed uh, that that Charlize Theron was in this movie. Um, she looked like shit. She had these like, you know, I went on spring break and got dreads and didn't take my dreads out. Look about her, like, I, only only she looked like if someone's mom went on her high school daughter's spring break and uh, got wasted and fucked a bunch of guys and and got dreadlocks. And then just came back and kept that look. Like, that's what she had going on in this movie. Um, it, was, it was really sad. Because, like, Charlize Theron, like, she's, like, somebody that I really enjoy her acting. And I enjoy looking at her a lot. Um, uh-huh. And uh, even though she did absolutely nothing in uh, that awful Prometheus film, like, yeah. I still was just, like, she's, like, this shining beacon in this movie. And um, in Fate, like... It was awful. I, I had no idea who her character was. I had no yeah. idea why she was doing anything that she was doing. Yeah. Like, it was just one of those, like, I'm a bad person, and I love being bad. And was it me, or did she seem to have, like, a team of, uh, of transgendered assistants? Or was that... Did I missee something? It seemed like... <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't because I saw I saw some real weird characters and I was like I was like what am I seeing but I also was like not paying that great of attention because I was kind of like okay yeah I get it because they really lost me after the part where Rock was the coach like that was one of the best scenes I love that scene Rock should uh, I be... didn't like that scene at all I I felt like I'd seen that scene before um, like I sat there and uh, you know to to the person that I was watching the movie with. Um, when, when, uh, he's sitting there and he's like, he's like, we're gonna, you know, I got all of you cause of your, your skills and ability. We're going to take out their shooters. We're going to you know, mobilize them, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, he's talking to a bunch of little girls playing soccer. I guarantee it. <laughs> and sure enough, they reverse the camera angle and it's a bunch of girls, soccer players. And then they do their whole, um, I forget the name for it, but, uh, their, their, uh, Tahitian war dance. Yeah. And I was like, this is just like it's perfect for this movie cuz it's like that sort of like those moments of levity that you need but honestly like this movie wasn't a movie that had that much tension to it anyway and certainly not at this point in the movie it didn't have like this like level of tension to where it's like whew, I'm glad we're getting a little bit of a break here <laughs> but this movie is I mean like it's a fucking ridiculous movie and it knows that it's a ridiculous movie the audience knows that it's a fucking ridiculous movie and the thing is for me is like, I mean, I would have loved to like been surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, and I absolutely didn't. And it's just because they didn't try to really do anything. And that's why I'm saying like the thing that would have made me love this movie is like to have like this ultra level of violence that is just so <laughs> gratuitous and over the top that it becomes, I mean, it's already a video game. So at that point, like, one of the things yeah. that's so much fun about like watching people play Grand Theft Auto is when they go on rampages and are just straight up just murdering every single person that they come across. Man, at, you're, at that you sound point, like, like a, this sounds like a confessional tape of a psychopath. I do not <laughs> agree with you at all. I do not. That's not the element that I enjoy. <laughs> See, but, but a lot of people like get squeamish when they start thinking about like you know extreme acts of violence in in a video game like that portrayal of it. But realistically, like um, that that's a good outlet for people. And you know, for a movie like this, when you have fucking cars that are falling out of the sky because 
somehow because somehow because there is like a computer system in the car that they're able to hack into the car and not only hack into it but cause it to drive um you know don't that, don't forget that, about the part where her she asks her assistant to hack into the car and he's like there's over 1000 of them and she's like hack them all and he's like yeah and he starts <laughs> proudly typing away but it's like okay even if you could hack into the cars like the most you could do is just like fuck with the the infotainment system you know how are you actually going to control the cars and guide them in a direction that they're not built that way but again like the audience, the target audience for this like either they're not aware of that fact or they just don't fucking care you know cause... or this is just a cash a cash grab at the idea of being technophobic and it's like your car can drive itself then it's going to drive and chase you and try to kill the president cuz this is fast and the furious yeah, and like I mean, you're you're a person that uh, I know I know enough about computers to know how to like you know start mine up and and you know change some settings and features on it and maybe troubleshoot yeah. some small things. You know way more about computers, programming, and everything. Yeah. But yeah. look, as as <laughs> even though I don't know as much as you, I absolutely know that all all of the things they did as far as hacking are impossible. <laughs> <laughs> even if they have like yeah. even if they like somehow like stole like DARPA level technology, they're still not going to be able to do the majority of the stuff that they do in this fucking film. Uh but it was it was it was great cuz it was just like if if the the writers had to think at all of like okay, well this actually isn't possible to do. So what do they do in this scenario like then this film would have been like real bogged down, but because there were just basically like it's like if they if they watched a kid playing around with like a collection of like Hot Wheels cars, and then they're just like, yeah, yeah, let's write a script based on that. That's what this fucking movie is. Yeah, and it's it's a movie for people who like love cars. They love that cars burn so much rubber, and that they use so much gasoline, and that they have so many liters in their engines, and they just love all that stuff so much that they that it's kind of like car porn. You know, it's like yeah, a, it's I mean, a this is the type, type of, of movie. This is the type of movie for the person who would think that if you had to go on a covert mission into the Arctic Circle, that you should definitely <laughs> travel up there with an orange uh, million-dollar Lamborghini and drive across <laughs> right. a frozen lake in it. Like that's that's a thing that's like. You're just like, yeah, that's a good idea. I understand why that character do that. I would do that too. <laughs> And of course, the fucking car gets plunged into the ice. That was an amazing scene. Just that whole I didn't sequence see that was that whole sequence was just bananas. Like, you know, and, and yeah, it was like it was like on another planet. It was like, is this this planet? There's nothing here that is like reality. I mean, I kind of so wish they they wouldn't it. have. I kind of wish they wouldn't have spoiled the fact that there is a submarine that they they are like getting chased by across a frozen lake in the trailers. Like, I wish that would have yeah. been something that w- I would have been surprised by. But I knew that's what the movie was leading up to. And so, like, uh, yeah. I'm just sitting there and watching them, like, like do their, like, hacking wars with the control of the sub. And I was like, just just get to it already. I, I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was so over the movie. But the best thing is I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending. Can I do that? 
Yeah, of course. Okay. The best part was um, at the end when, uh, when Dom gets like tossed out of his car because uh, he, he uh, jumped the car into the submarine to blow up the submarine. Um, and then he's sitting out, he's exposed out on the ice and uh, the submarine is like blowing up. And uh, so he is, uh, you know, he's about to get engulfed by the, the, the ball of flame. And instead, he saved at the last second by all of the cars forming a circle around him. <laughs> do, you, do you think they've ever done For the a second... Manchurian candidate in the, uh, in the Fast and the Furious franchise? Like, why didn't they go hypnotize Manchurian candidate for Vin Diesel? Like, he was captured before, and they hypnotized him, and you just say, like, the right program word, and he comes out of it. Like the Manchurian Candidate, like why did why didn't they go that way? Because uh, they didn't think about it in a previous movie, so they're just like, uh, well, how can we make him a Manchurian Candidate? And they're like, oh, he has a son with this other character that everyone's already forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, can we get this actress back? It's like, sure. What else is she doing right now? They're like, the only actor we can't bring back is Paul Walker. Yeah, and it's it's real reminiscent of what they did in the Avengers movie where, like, Hawkeye was the bad guy. But I, I did think this was more effective, but it, it was only because he would do things that it didn't really make sense for his character to do. Like, even given the situation that he's in, it still wouldn't make sense for him to do all that stuff. Like, he doesn't really know that kid. Like, I get that that kid's his family or whatever, but he's like, look, like, that kid is really cute and I would love to raise him. Like, I lo- that kid's great. I love it. But I'm not going to, like, sell out all my friends and get them all killed because of this like crazy situation you're you're giving into the terrorists like you you have yeah. to you have to call their bluff and say okay kill the girl and kill the baby cuz that that'll be doing me sort of a favor cuz i didn't even know they existed you know and like i'll get to go back to my life as usual so i'm really going to win you know and like you can kind of hold that over the captor's head yeah but uh, and like i mean like for me you know, it'd be real it'd be real tough if like someone had a gun to my niece's head and was like oh you got to go uh you know, put this bomb inside of a, a, a train and, like, kill all these people. It would be real hard for me to sit there and say, like, all right, the life of my niece versus the life of all of these people that I don't know. In this fucking case, though, it's like, it's a baby who he didn't know existed, and he's got to go get a nuclear fucking weapon. You know, like, that's a slam dunk of just, like, uh, no, if you're going to let me, like, go out on the city streets, I'm going to go right to the fucking... I'm going to go to the first, like, police department that I can and be like, help, I know where Cypher Rage is. Uh, she's, got, she's got my kid, supposedly, and she wants me to steal a nuclear bomb. Please help. Right. But, of course, I mean, she can hack um, into anything, so she can probably, like, hack into the, the police officer's gun and make them shoot Vin Diesel in the kneecap. So I think that was one of the threats she put on him. She's like, she's like I can hack anything because this is a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> She can hack into a police database, add someone to the most wanted list, and then alert all the police where he's at right now, and then forge his whole arrest record. Like, what? Yeah, she, she can do what? She basically hacks their minds, so they're immediately like, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, we're looking for this guy. <laughs> Let me talk about, okay, so I thought it was interesting that... Um, I guess I just didn't realize this is one of the, the beauties of coming in and watching the eighth movie in a series without having watched any of the previous ones. But uh, I didn't realize, like, Dom and Letty, like, not only were they a couple, they got married at the end of the seventh movie. 
Um, mm. And that's really interesting because both those actors are gay. Um, Michelle Rodriguez is is pretty much an open lesbian, um, but uh, Vin Diesel, like he's he's somebody that like I think a lot of people like are aware that he's gay, but like it's not like an open thing. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting to like watch the two of them, like, huh, all right, and uh, and then I thought I thought the more believable couple in the movie. Uh, was the the budding romance between uh, Shaw and Dobbs, uh, Hobbs, um, you know, The Rock and Jason Statham. Because um, I was just watching them, and at a certain point I was like, they're going to fuck. <laughs> and I was hoping that the movie would end with, like, you know, the two of them seeing each other, Hobbs realizing that, that um, Shaw is alive, and, like, Gives them a big hug and then they just start fucking making out. Like that would have been so badass. Because I mean, Hobbs doesn't have a, a a a wife. Like he doesn't have any romance in his life. Like there's all those moms that are at his soccer game, and like he doesn't even notice that they're all there. Like he's definitely like, you know, he's got a case of the very gays. Or maybe he sticks his dick in a gas tank. Like he's in love with a car. No, no, he's in love with Shaw. Like he, like, like when he's in prison and he starts working out for Shaw, I was just like, I was like, wait a minute, this is much more than a I want to kick your ass sort of thing. Like he's showing off for the guy. He's trying to impress him, and man, just the way he like runs after him, and he's like, he's like, you're not gonna get away from me again. Fate brought us together. <laughs> It truly was the fate of the furious. So, okay, so it turns out that, um, and this this movie series has this weird thing of doing it from from what I can piece together. So, um, in in the first movie, Paul Walker was an undercover cop, and he was uh, trying to like infiltrate uh, Dom Toretto's little like uh, racing circle, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so why was that? Like, what? Like, like, was he specifically going after Dom Toretto, or was he going for somebody else? And that's how he got to know Dom. Okay, I think there was an under. I could be mixing this up with the plot of the video game that I really like, though, called <laughs> Need for Speed Most Wanted. Well, which well I've hold on. More than I've seen that movie. Okay. Well, real quick, can can you kind of like uh, walk me through your experience with watching that movie because? I feel like it's a little bit of an interesting story, at least for me. Well, the movie, the original Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah, yeah. What 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 medium uh, well, did you watch I, it in? I believe I saw it on VHS. Um, <laughs> did you rent it from a blockbuster, a were... or was it a Hollywood video? Um. Yeah. No. It was. Uh, <laughs> um. At where I'm from, we don't have the we didn't have those. Uh, we had these like mom and pops uh, video stores, and uh, this one was called WTs. Oh, okay. Uh, WTs was bomb because they had uh, posters for fifty cents, and like um, eventually we did get a blockbuster. They put all the other businesses out of business, then they went out of business. <laughs> um, but what a WTs is still plan. open though. <laughs> WTs is still open. Yeah, WTs is still open, um, but most of them closed down, the ones I remember going to when I was a little kid. But I definitely rented that one from WTs, 
And that was my favorite place. Like I said, they had a poster section. So I would always go in. I would look for posters. And I bought, like, a ton of these posters for 50 cents. I had my room, like, wallpapered in them. It was so cool. Yeah, actually, I had the same thing um, in my first apartment. I had a bunch of movie posters. I forget how I got them. But, uh, oh, I think think one of my friends worked at a Blockbuster, and so he'd just give me movie posters. And so I... Yeah, I had a friend that worked at the Blockbuster, too. Yeah, I wallpapered... um, one one wall in my room with uh with a bunch of movie posters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so and, uh, I still have a couple of uh, my movie posters, but I just got rid of a big batch like not too long ago. And some of them were were those old WT's ones. I had Fight Club. I had a couple of really cool ones. Yeah, so so WT's is still open. I could have I could have gone to WT's when I went through Viders today. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, okay, so. I went to WT's, and every time I go to Vider, I drive by it and make sure it's still there. And um, so I went to WT's, and a bunch of people were buying it uh, from Best Buy because I was a cashier at Best Buy. And so all day I was ringing out people like Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious. Like they were buying it in droves. Like you never see anything like it. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this must be one of those like really great movies that something about the way it's advertised is not like appealing to me. But this must be a great movie. You know, I got to see it. I sought it out after a few weeks, and I watched it, and I was just so disappointed because it was such a, like, just a bland movie. Like, it didn't have that James Bond element that it kind of needed back then. And it was just this, like, straightforward, like, I'm a cop, and I'm here to infiltrate this racing crew. And, you know, you guys should let me race. Like, I'm the best racer in the world. Like, first you got to earn Dom's respect. And then once you earn his respect, then you can be in his crew. And, like, that kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, pretty much by the book. I mean, maybe they invented that book. But you know, basically exactly how you would imagine that it would go down. And that's how I remember it. But I could be – I could have some elements totally wrong. Like, maybe Paul – maybe Paul Wall – no, not Paul Wall. Paul – What's his name? Walker. <laughs> yeah, they Maybe. should have replaced Paul Walker with Paul Wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Texas, man, you can do that. It's Paul Wall's a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Houston, no, Paul Walker. Yeah, but well, um, they already have Ludacris, so they can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Ludacris is already representing Georgia, so they got to stay. Like, why did they choose him to do? That exposition, all that exposition stuff. I'm I'm bouncing it off micro routers right now, and it's hopping around to the clippity cloud, and I'm going to type on this keyboard. He was always saying shit like that. I was like, what the fuck is a micro router? Like, what is that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, where do these words come from that they use? We got to get you on know, that. Like, we got to get on that submarine. I can't get into it remotely. It's got a USB connection. <laughs> all I've got in here is a wireless router. Yeah, it's like computers are so uniform, and that's that's sort of that's ev- to everyone's detriment. Like, there's not a lot of original hardware and original software. It's like if you've got a piece of hardware, then there's a chance that two, 20 million other people have it too, and then you find a vulnerability in that software or that hardware, and then you exploit it. Like that's how hacking works. Like, it doesn't ha- work like you just target everything magically. And you can just get into any system by like pointing at it. You're like, hack that over there. Well, you're, you're getting sidetracked because the movie also misunderstands how oh, an sorry. EMP works. <laughs> it grossly misunderstands uh, I, it. And also a heat-seeking missile. Yeah, I thought they missile. borrowed way too much from The Matrix. 
I'm pretty sure you can't yeah, you can't outrun missile. a heat-seeking missile in a fucking car, no matter how fast it is. No matter how much like NOS you stick up the ass of the car, you can't outrun a heat-seeking missile in a car. <laughs> I, I, I want to say basically I heard like on top of heat-seeking missiles aren't even real, or like not that they're not real, but like they they don't work in the way that that you think they work. So much to the point where. It's really not the same thing. Well, and also or like it doesn't the, the idea that something. like if you get flames to shoot out the back of your car, that the the missile is going to lock on to your specific car because it's somehow hotter than the other cars that are that have been racing across a frozen fucking tundra or a frozen lake. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm knocking you off track. Well, I tell you what. While I'm interrupting you, I'll tell you sort of my um, my my very slight history with this movie. Um, I remember when the first one mm-hmm. came out, and I think it came out at the same time as Gone in 60 Seconds. And Gone in 60 Seconds yeah, was the did. movie that I chose to go and see. And I was excited because I was like, oh, because at the time, like, Nicolas Cage was, he was a different kind of badass than what he is today. Back then, he was a more yeah. respected it had, it had a better pedigree. Yeah. And Angelina it Jolie Angelina was in Angelina Jolie. It. Yeah. Which, it's funny because, like, I feel like the character that uh, Charlize plays in this movie is like sort of like the washed up version of Angelina, or maybe Angelina Jolie is the. They they seem like similar characters to me, but I watched that movie yeah. and I was just kind of like, oh, this kind of fucking sucks, and I had no interest whatsoever. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, I had no interest whatsoever in seeing, you know, Fast and Furious, and so I just never watched any. Well, of the but movies. it se- it seemed like a better plot, too. Like if you have to steal a car, you have to steal like sixty cars, each car in sixty seconds, sixty cars, sixty seconds. Or whatever it is, like whatever the plot device was, I remember that seeming cooler and more interesting and and more something that you could get behind if it was done right. Yeah, it, it, whereas it, the plot from the Fast and Furious seemed like it was trite and kind of bad from the get go. So why even bother? Yeah. But this, like, by the time we get to the eighth movie here, like this movie, and I don't know about the other ones, this movie felt like a TV show. That just like had been mm-hmm. juiced up so that it could fit on the big screen, um, and like really well oiled too. Like like there was always all this real consistent movement type stuff with the camera that it just the it was the movie was so alive. Like I thought the directing was a plus plus plus. Like I thought it was great directing for for what my taste in directing is. I thought the directing was amazing. Well, the director for this is F. Gary Gray. And I'm trying to think, like, yeah. why I know his name. Um, he did something else. I, I, he, he's done a lot. I want to say he did Friday as one of his first big movies. Yeah. Um, Maybe he did do Friday. He's done a lot of movies. He's done a lot of movies. Friday, Set It Off, The Negotiator, The Italian Job, which The Italian Job is not a good movie, but it's much better than this fucking movie was. Straight out of Copton. Yeah. So that's 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 what I remember his name for. Um, Straight out of Compton. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and this the same director from Straight out of Compton was the director from Friday. <laughs> I, I I honestly didn't like the camera work during the fight scenes, and I know why they did it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they tried to make everything seem a lot more hyperkinetic than it was, but there was a lot of like really yeah. unnecessary camera movement. It was almost like somehow like the punches. Like we're causing the camera to shake uh, whenever they're fighting, mm-hmm. and um, you know it, it was sort of like it was kind of like the difference between like the way that Christopher Nolan shot the fighting sequences 
in Batman Begins versus how he shot them in uh, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Where, like, in the dark, in, in Batman Begins, yeah, it was, like, he's trying to hide the fact that the fight choreography is not very good at all. And Jason Bourne had kind of, like, invented that and sort of played it out all in the same movie. Yeah. And so when you come in and, like, copy it right after that, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, we saw it when Jason Bourne did it, but this is Batman. We want to see him, like, we don't want it to be a mystery how he kicked all these guys' asses. Like, we want it to be, like, awesome and, and uh, you know, very deliberate. Yeah. I just like I, I I don't like the the herky jerky camera. I've always hated that. Um, it was okay for Jason mm-hmm. Bourne, but like you know, Paul Greengrass is the director that I feel like really brought that to the mainstream, and I just I don't like it. Um, but you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna use it, you might as well use it in an action movie. Um, and the fact that the probably eighty five percent of the audience for this movie has uh, ADD. You know, it, it, it works because then you have people that are just like, uh. Did you get to drive a car out of the theater after seeing this movie? Yeah, I drove. I drove my work truck out of the theater. Doesn't, doesn't it make you feel like a superhero? Like when you drive? Fuck it makes no, you feel man. like, oh my God, I'm a, I'm a badass in this car. I, I felt like I couldn't wait to go to bed because this movie fucking wore me out. <laughs> I mean, I was seriously well, like. I, I saw it early in the morning. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw it at the end of the day, and, um, like, maybe maybe that was part of it. Like, I've had, like, a long week, um, but, but still, like, right. I was just sitting in this movie, and I was just like, come on, like, I know what's going to happen. Just, just make it end already. Just fucking end. You know what I don't understand, too, about the nuclear launch codes? Maybe you can help me with this. Like, like let's say you find the guy who's got the football, and that's the nuclear codes, and you intercept the football. Now you have the football. Yes. Uh, how do you turn that football into a nuclear strike? Like it seems like, like I don't. I guess I don't get why there's such a disconnect between where the codes are and how they get to the bunker. Like it seems like a clusterfuck of an idea. Yeah, I don't know either. But if anyone listening to this right now knows, uh, please email us the answer: <laughs> sequelitispodcast at gmail dot com. You can find our Twitter. It's at sequelitis. Uh, our Facebook page is facebook dot com slash sequelitis. And, of course, we have an Instagram now, too, <laughs> at Sequelitis Pod. So if you know the answer to Matt's question, please feel free to reach out, and we'll read it on a next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I can make a guess as to why. It's, for, like, for contingency and so that the nukes don't launch by themselves. The same reason you need the two keys, but it just seems like it's way too much. Like, it's not a good plan to steal the football from the guy who has it. Like that's not a that's not a good part one of any plan because it's like the ability for you to to do all the other things in the plan are so ridiculous that it could only exist in a James Bond movie or in a Fast and the Furious. Well, movie, if you if you have like, like this godlike ability to just hack into any system that you want, then why in the hell would you sit there and? Um, you know, like your plan be, codes. I'm going to steal a nuclear device and uh, try and launch it with all of these other things in place that could stop my plan from working out. I, I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> I don't, like, I just don't understand. But she spent, she spent way too much time focusing on having a, a glass room with, like, a little baby yeah, in Yeah, she set up an like, apartment for... It looking like a little house. <laughs> She set up an apartment and nursery for this this mom. 
you know. There was, yeah, there was like a fireplace in there. There's carpet. There's like a couch. It like feels real cozy. <laughs> it's like, this could be your home, Dom. It's like she was so focused on getting all those amenities for her hostages that she really didn't think her whole nuclear program through. You know, so I just want, I just hope that. Well, I don't think it's it's her fault necessarily. <laughs> it's the person who wrote her character and wrote all of her character's motivation. They just like, like, eh, why bother? Like these fucking goons that are watching this fucking movie, like they're not going to care. I think it's even, I think it's different than that though. I think they, the writers do care because I thought it I thought the writing was kind of genius, to tell you the truth. But because, yeah, but you, you mean that in like because the it, writers they know. You mean that in like a hyperbolic sense, right? They know sense, the move. Right? They know that no. Yeah, I know. I'm being hyperbolic, but but they have a sense that any motivation for that character would make her null and void. So they have to give her essentially no motivation and just be slow and like this and cold as ice. She's she's an ice queen. You know, like she has no emotion and nothing gives her any emotion and we don't understand what her plan is. She's not emotional about like her emotions. I don't remember them like breaking or if they did, it was only like because she, her nuke got taken away from her. But like, listen, lady, that's not your nuke. You know, give that nuke back. Don't go around pretending like it's yours, trying to set it off, start wars, like leave that nuke alone. (laughs) That's my, that's my message for her. It's like, look, why, why don't you just, like, just have him race people? Like, you got this guy, and he's supposed to be, like, the world's greatest racer. Like, get him into Formula One, you know? Like, uh, make millions of dollars that way. You're like, I've got the world's greatest racer. Who wants to sponsor him? Let's make some fucking money, you know? Not, like, uh, do all these, like, convoluted, complicated things where all these things could go wrong with my plan. And steal a fucking nu- uh, 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 a nuclear football, and then we'll somehow hack into a submarine, which that's not even possible. Like, you could hack into a drone. Like, that's a real thing that you could do. But hacking into a freaking submarine, I, I I'm I'm gonna say that's where the movie might have gone too far. Yeah, for me, it went too far when they had the army of robot cars that were, like, attacking them. Because <laughs> um, I know we, talk, we talked about this earlier, but for me, I really am passionate about the automatic driving car stuff. Like, I think that's an awesome future to look forward to. And, like, for them to create this scenario that's so unrealistic, so irresponsible, when this is, like, an issue that people are actually thinking and caring about right now, like, that was something that rubbed me the wrong way, sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. Because those cars are going to save lives. It's like human drivers are dying, you know, what is it, 100,000 every year or some, some big number. I don't know exactly, but, you know, a lot of people are dying every year. And with, yeah, like maybe one person has died because of a, of a computer car. But what about all the lives that it is saving, it will save, you know, once you bring that number down, instead of 100,000, it's down to one or two, the mistakes that the machines made, instead of the 100,000 mistakes that we made. Yeah. You know, so it's just about increasing our odds and those, you know, those kinds of elements. Like traffic is the worst thing about being a human and about being in a city and about being on the planet Earth. Like traffic is one of the things that is like soul crushing in this world. 
Yeah, and, and and if you want to talk about it from the sense of just like like productivity, like it's a huge drain on productivity, um, quality of life, it's a huge yeah, it's drain a huge on quality of, of life, and there and the the reality is that at least in the United States, like more and more people are having to move to the cities because those are now the major um, the the major areas of employment. Because we don't have manufacturing in this con- in, in this country like we did previously, because it's so much cheaper to do the manufacturing in other countries. So, right. you know, these these rural centers of employment have all gone away, and they've been replaced with, uh, you know, with with uh, you know white collar service related jobs, and so that's where everybody is now, yeah. and especially for like, you know. Um, low skill workers um you know that's that's where yeah. you got to be and you like you, if you're if you're not making over $100,000 a year which most people aren't most people are making between 25 and $40,000 a year you have to live further out yeah. where it's cheaper to live and drive further and further every day right. to get to your place of employment and so yeah like the more right. The more um, driverless cars that we have on the road, the better traffic will be. Because for the simple fact that um, if you think about like where sensors and cameras are going to be on these vehicles to guide them, this vehicle is able to look Mm -hmm. um, 360 degrees around the car at all times, which a human driver cannot do. It's also going to be able to make, you know, faster decisions, have quicker response times than, than humans have. And already, if you've got a vehicle that is, you know, 2015 or newer, you've got a car that most likely has advanced safety features. And those are things where basically some of the control of the car is taken away from you and taken over by the car using its field of sensors in a way that that makes you and other people on the road safer. So uh, the more of these vehicles... There's even more profound reasons why it's safer because the cars could theoretically connect to each other via something like a Bluetooth connection, and they could move as a, as a unit. You know, they could move together like a flock of well, birds. Well, I mean, you already, you already have they cars that... They all their You movements. don't even need a Bluetooth connection to do that. You already have cars that, are, that um, you know, are on the road right now that you can set them to maintain speed with the car in front of you, and some of them, it takes it all the way down to a complete stop. So uh, you're going down the highway, mm-hmm. and the car in front of you, like, if they don't have their cruise control on, but you have this feature set up, like, if they speed up to 75, your car will follow them. If they slow down to 55, your car will follow them. If you get off the highway, like, it'll maintain yeah. that speed all the way until they come to a stop or, like, get down to, like, 20 miles per hour, depending on, you know, the, the, the way it's set up. But, you know, that's, that's just one right. small thing right there. We have cars that can now park themselves. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to mm-hmm. become increasingly more and more that, you know, you're, you'll have cars that, I mean, you already have cars that you can just sit there and you can set it on autopilot and the car takes over. I mean, having autopilot in airplanes makes flying so much safer than if the pilots had to constantly maintain control of the plane. Right. Well, it would be even better if there was, uh, uh, lift off and landing, take off and landing, automation and that would be even safer because that's the most dangerous part about flying is landing. Yeah. And maybe the, maybe there is auto land. I don't know. Yeah, so if there if there's something about um you know, this movie that I really don't like, 
is, is it does, you know, really try to perpetuate the idea that it would be a lot more dangerous, you know, if someone could figure out how to hack into your car. And that's something that's, you know, a matter of when, not if. And that's completely not true. But it's playing into its... It's playing into its audience because if the audience loves cars, loves car culture, then most likely they sort of hate the whole electric movement, the whole smart car movement, the whole solar movement. Like, yeah, but I think I think you're making a lot of assumptions about the people watching these movies. I, I think I think that's a very small percentage of the audience watching these. That is like, you know, very much like you know. Uh, cars shouldn't have computer systems and should shouldn't even have like fuel injection. Like that's something that's too advanced for the for for a vehicle. Um, I think that's a small number of people watching these. I think for a lot of people, like you know, there's probably a lot of people that watch this movie that drive like a fucking Prius, and or they drive a car that yeah. it has one of these advanced features that we're talking about, and they just like watching you know all of these characters that somehow like they feel uh, a relation to or really took a liking to or something. I don't know. Well, let's, let's get your final word on the fate of the Furious. Like, well, what I'd really like to try and speculate on is what do we think the next movie's going to be? Um, and and I, think, I think what I'd really like to see is like, um, you know, it jumps ahead like 10 years into the future and there's just like the majority of cars on the road are driverless cars and this drives Dom Toretto fucking crazy. So then he tries to go out of his way to prove that a human driver is superior in a very... Um, what, what was the name of the, the character in the story to where he's building the railroad and he tries to prove that he's faster than this machine? And he beats the machine, but he kills himself in the process. John Henry... Yeah. John Henry. <laughs> Dom Toretto becomes a very John Henry character. And uh, yeah, he, he okay. dies at the end of this Here's movie. Here's my speculation. <laughs> my speculation is that uh, the Russians put in a president into the United States, and it's up to Dom Toretto and the ghost of Paul Walker with The Rock to get in there with their cars and flush out the Russian agent out of the presidency. <laughs> That's my prediction for the, the next movie. I, I like that. I, I think I think both of our movies have a very good chance of getting made. Yours especially. But the crazy thing is, it'll. I think they might be making you, it. Already. You will only be able to watch it in China. You won't be able to watch it in the U.S. at all. It'll be banned in the U.S. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all I got for uh, Fate of the Furious. Do you have anything else? Any clothing? No, I mean, I I understand why people like these movies. Uh, I might actually go back and watch five, six, and seven, and if I can actually get through those movies, you know, I might, I might check out the rest of the franchise. Um, But honestly, I didn't like this movie. I, I wasn't surprised by not liking it. Um, You know, but uh, it's, it's fun, and I'm glad you had fun watching because I feel bad that I've been making you watch all these movies you don't want to see. No, it's okay. You know what? I'll I'll do that. Uh, if you'll do it, I'll do it. I'll go back and watch um, the Fast and the Furious reboot movie that had the same cast and the same original right. director. Or was it? Did Justin Lee direct? No, it was Rob Cohen directed the the re the reboot inside of the of its own franchise. You remember that? Um, that was the the first one was called The Fast and The Furious, and then one of them was just called Fast and Furious. And that was the mid-series Yeah, that was reboot. number four. Yeah, so let's start with that one. 
four, five, okay. six, and seven. All right, cool. We'll, we'll do that. Because I, 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 oh, and and I, my final note is that I think I actually did enjoy it a lot more than Manny, especially the first like thirty-five or forty minutes. Like I was laughing. So oh, I laughed a lot hard. during this movie. I thought the movie making was genius. I thought some of the scenes in the beginning, especially, I loved when Rock was the coach. That was to me, and I know it's from other movies, but I thought it was just it was done so funny and so good, and I loved it. And I love the chemistry between Jason Statham. I love seeing him in in good movies or movies where he has good lines, and he had a lot of great lines in this one. Um, you know, some roles were really thankless, like Ludacris had a thankless role. Um, Tyrese, he really made a lot out of his goal. Like out of his role, it seemed like he added he he got in more than most other actors probably would have got with his same like dialogue and his same thing. Like because you could have edited so many of his little moments out and just we not hear from that character. But he he always kind of gets a word in and he, and he's funny. He's basically a funny character, and I like. Yeah, that well, character. he was he was very much the but, Chris Rock of uh, this movie, or not not Chris Rock, Chris Tucker. <laughs> like he's always like yelling and and yeah. You know, had a bunch of uh, little little quippy one-liners, but uh, yeah, The Rock and Jason Statham especially yeah. like their dialogue was like eighty percent you know eighties action movie one-liner cliches. Like it, it was it was an endless series of those. And of course, I know like they did they, they let the the actors probably like improv a lot of stuff and kept a pretty good amount of it. Um, but yeah, it's it, this is such a meathead movie. I was so glad that you suggested this one once I saw it. Like, this was a really refreshing movie, the, the first 35 minutes I'm talking about, before it started pissing me off and, like, really going <laughs> off the rails. But, like, the way it started, like, it just gave me such a positive feeling that I left that I left the theater thinking this movie is genius. It's made by geniuses, and it's genius. The whole thing is brilliant, you know, but in a retarded yeah. way, like in a retarded well, rapper. Well, not, almost, not so much in a retarded rapper though. sort of way, but, but made by someone who realizes like, it's made by like kind of an Alex Jones sort of, an Alex Jones sort of like mentality of like, I know the exact kind of character I got to play to win over this audience and make a fuck ton of money doing it. And that's specifically what this movie did. And that's where it is genius. It, it knows what it has to do in order to get the audience to love it. And it does it like perfectly. But I think overall, though, without even having watched the other movies, I don't think this one is one of the better movies. I feel like this is probably only like the fourth best yeah. Fast and Furious movie. I... Yeah, I agree. I heard that the last one that they just made before this was the best one. And and that probably has to do with the fact that uh, Paul Walker's dead. So uh, my final words are R.I.P. Paul Walker. See you at the crossroads, buddy. R.I.P. Paul Walker. You know, they moved on without you. This has been Sequelitis. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, and please and email we'll us those soon. answers if you can. Sequelitispodcast at gmail.com. Drop. Too fast. Drop. Too furious. I'm too fast for y'all, man.